Hello, and welcome to the We Are The Medicine podcast. This podcast is a place where we discuss a wide variety of topics, from psychedelics and other plant medicines to sovereignty and spirituality. This is a space where we have raw and vulnerable conversations and explore the mysteries of our universe with the intention of empowering listeners and guiding you to ask the questions that will help you come into a deeper resonance with your truest essence. I'm your host, Serena Rose. Now let's get into the episode. What's up, family, and welcome back to another episode of the We Are The Medicine podcast. Today, I am joined by the beautiful Kayla Anoku, who is a YouTuber and plant medicine student who helps people to live a more conscious and mindful life. She has grown her audience to over 100,000 subscribers, diving into all sorts of topics from personal development to manifestation. In this conversation, we talk about Kayla's spiritual awakening journey and how that eventually led her to the plant medicine path. We discuss Kayla's spontaneous awakening that took place through a guided meditation, and we uncover the ways that she used scripting and manifestation techniques to level up her life in every way. We also talk about some of the pitfalls that can occur in the earlier stages of spiritual awakening and the importance of shadow work to heal those underlying traumas. Kayla shares her experience of deciding to sit with ayahuasca and how even the most difficult parts of her ayahuasca journey became the medicine that she needed to bring her the most impactful healing. She explains how she had to release her expectations of the medicine experience to open herself to receive the healing that she needed. We also discuss both of our struggles with cannabis dependency and the ways that we can shift our perspective to see cannabis as a psychedelic medicine and to give her the respect that she deserves. Kayla is such a beautiful mermaid fairy priestess queen and I just had such a great time talking to her and I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. All right, Kayla, welcome to the podcast. Hi. (laughs) So I would really love for us to start with your journey in spirituality, your awakening, and how that all came about for you. So I grew up not Christian, but I went to a Christian church. And and I don't know. I I never really wanted to go. (laughs) And um, I would just like go to like Sunday school and stuff. Um, I wasn't baptized, but my dad is Catholic and my mom, she was like into Christianity. So went there for a bit until probably about the age of like, maybe seven, maybe even like earlier, um, I stopped. And then when I got into like, maybe middle school, high school years, I started not believing in God anymore, was super atheist. Um, I still don't necessarily believed in, believe in God, but I definitely believe in like source, like there is something. Um, but yeah, so I started looking at like, um, there was like videos coming up about, I, I wanna say like maybe five years ago. And it was like vision boards and like scripting and stuff like that along manifestation. And I was really depressed. Like I was extremely depressed. And so I was like looking at all these things. I made a vision board, put it in my closet where no one could see it. Like I was so ashamed of it Mm. and literally wrote down like a scripting thing. Um, For those watching, if you don't know what scripting is, it's basically like where you write out like your desires as if they'd already happened. And so I was like, oh, I'm so grateful for my car and I'm so grateful for this. And at the time I didn't even have a car. 
um, because I got into like two car accidents within the span of a week. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was going full job situation, very broke, walking back and forth to work like an hour each way um, in freezing cold weather. So that was part of my journey. And I didn't necessarily get into spirituality around that time, but I think those were like the leading things that kind of brought me into it, so to speak. And I'd say about a year later, um, I think it was like maybe two years later, I don't know, but it was in 2020, the pandemic. um, And I had stopped smoking weed because I had smoked weed from like the time that I was like, 13 years old up until 20s. So I was going on a journey of like cutting that out because it started actually giving me anxiety. And so I was cutting it out and it was on 420 and I was like, you know what, let me, let me smoke, you know? So I did. And for some reason, like I, I was not looking up manifestation stuff, meditations, nothing that wasn't even in my like, you know, brain at the time. And so I saw Aaron Dowdy's meditation pop up on YouTube. And this is like the craziest thing ever because I was extremely high, by the way, just very like out of my body, like not not here. It was like this trippy screen and I was watching it, right? I didn't close my eyes, had no clue how to meditate. And I was literally just like, just watching this trippy screen and by the end of the video I came out of it and I was like oh my gosh I'm so happy and before this like prior to this I was extremely depressed coming home from work every day crying in the bathroom like I was working three jobs and trying to go full-time on YouTube um but it wasn't working out at the time and so I just came out of this meditation I was like oh my god I'm so happy and I go out into the kitchen to my husband and I'm like I'm so happy right now like I just did this meditation and like it changed my life like I don't know (laughs) and it it literally did I don't know how how else to explain it but like it was almost like a switch that turned on in my brain um and after that I got into crystals started collecting crystals and I remember in this (laughs) In the start of my like spiritual journey, I was looking at like videos and I was judging people who collected crystals. And I was like, I will never be that person. And here I am with like a million crystals, don't even know what to do with them. (laughs) Oh my God, isn't that how it goes? (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that is so crazy. So it was kind of like a spontaneous awakening. Yeah. And how do you feel like your life has been different since then? So not to get dark, but if I didn't do that meditation, I don't even know if I would have a life, if I'm being completely honest. Um, I was going down a really rough path, very depressed. Um, I, I mean, I was trying to be okay, but I just wasn't. And so now I feel like I've gotten into manifestation and manifesting has completely transformed my life. Like when I started scripting after that, I, I transformed my entire life just by writing down like what I wanted as if it had already happened. It's crazy to look back at everything and think about it because I've had some depressing moments in my life. I don't want to say like I haven't because when I started shadow work, I definitely like got into a little bit of a depression again. Um, but 
so far so good. I mean, I, I literally wake up every day and just am so happy to be alive. That's so beautiful. I feel like a lot of people on the spiritual path kind of start out there with like the vision boards and the law of attraction and the manifesting and it's a long journey and there and I, the way that I was in the beginning of my spiritual awakening I was so much more ungrounded and like la 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 like all I have to do is think happy thoughts and my life's gonna be great um, but then when the shadow work comes in you're like oh crap like what is this I got trauma oh no yeah when I started shadow work, again, it was like very unintentional. I didn't realize like that I had so much stuff. Like up until that point, I was just happy. Like you said, like just completely delusional, just everything's amazing. And come to find out I had actual shit that I was running away from, didn't want to deal with. And so ever since I've been doing shadow work for like over a year now, um, but at first, it hit me hard like a truck. Like I, I fell into a little bit of a depression. Friends started like leaving my life, and it was just a roller coaster. Man, <laughs> shadow work is no joke. And I feel like it's so funny how, because I definitely relate to you a lot. I have dealt with a lot of depression throughout my life, and it's funny how you can go from being in this like depressed state and then you go through this spiritual awakening and you're like wow like life is beautiful and i'm one with everything and we can use that we can very easily use spirituality to bypass all of the shit and then when you start doing the shadow work you're you're like oh this is why i was depressed yeah it's it's so interesting like just seeing how i went through all of that i I thought there was like something wrong with me and not realizing there was a reason as to why I was feeling those feelings. And then now I would say shadow work's gotten a lot easier than it was initially. Um, I kind of know when to take breaks and stuff. And it was so funny because I went to Japan for a couple months and before I left, I'm like, okay, no more shadow work. Like we're done with this not going to be dealing with this over there going to have a fun grand old time and little did I know I was about to like go through some shit <laughs> and I was pretty much like in the midst of shadow work for like a month over there and I was I don't want to say I was depressed but I kind of was a little bit not necessarily depressed but just like sad I was very um confused dealing with culture shock and all these different things and in the midst of all that, all these things from my shadow were coming up and I'm like, oh, this is why I'm feeling like this. Um, so I just had to feel that and go through it. Otherwise, I would be there all day um, just fighting with myself. Yeah, that's and it really does come in waves. Like I I mean, I feel like I've had a dark night of the soul for like five years, <laughs> but off and on, you know, and I feel like that's such an important thing to bring up like when we're doing shadow work to remember that like we can take a break and it's good to like just enjoy your life a little for a little while you know we don't have to be so focused on this like i'm healing and i'm broken and i have to fix myself so i'm gonna do this shadow work and then we just stay miserable like i don't think that's what life is about either you know i feel like it's like a happy medium of doing a little bit of shadow work and then, you know, pivoting to just enjoying your life and living your best life. 
um, sometimes we can't necessarily control when the shadow work is going to happen. Um, but it's important to also have intention to, and, you know, not stay stuck in a hard place for too long because we can always come back to it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, I know for me, I have had to work through like the belief that life is hard and it has to be hard. And it's so funny how, like, even on the spiritual path, we can like we can use spirituality to like reinforce our beliefs or reinforce our trauma or to bypass our trauma and yeah i feel like it's for some people maybe i know for me maybe part of it is that belief of like i'm supposed to suffer and life is supposed to be hard so i'm just gonna like keep trying to heal and i, I think a lot of it too is that that feeling that some of us have inside, like there's something wrong with me. I am messed up. I'm broken in some way. So I need to fix myself. And I think, I think a lot of the journey and a lot of what I have learned and am learning is like, it's not about like trying to fix yourself or change yourself. It's about loving yourself as you are now and being compassionate and also understanding all of these traumas and these beliefs that you have that aren't even really yours. Yeah. And to go off of that, it's like, we kind of choose what we believe, if that makes sense. It's, it's so interesting, because it's like, we're brought into this earth. And then we get all these beliefs from other people, like you said, it's like, they're not even yours. So that forms a belief within us inside of us. But we have the choice whether to carry that belief or not. It's just when we become conscious of it is when we can really start to figure out what we really believe in. Oh my God, yes, it's so true. There's I, there's so much nuance and like paradoxes in life. And, and it's so funny because I was just, I actually just recorded a solo podcast yesterday where I was talking about this, where it's like, we have a choice in everything that we do, right? We have a choice in our beliefs. We have a choice in the kind of life that we want to live. But it's this interesting thing to think about of like, how much of a choice do we have if we don't know that we have a choice? Like if you grew up in this environment where, like I'll just speak for myself, I grew up in an environment where we had very little money. I grew up with a single mother who was a waitress as a career. So we, we were like on food stamps and my mother was really deep in like narcissistic tendencies and had a lot of trauma. And so it would be very easy for me. And I definitely have like fallen into that, you know, like taking on the beliefs of my parents and, and the environment that I was in and feeling like life is just so hard, like kind of like I said, right? But once you come to that place of awareness of like, oh, this belief isn't even mine. Like, I don't have to believe this anymore. And it's such a journey to, to rewrite those beliefs because I think a lot of the spiritual practices or teachers sometimes i feel like there's not a sometimes i feel like in a lot of spiritual teachings there's not like realistic it's not realistic i guess is what i'm trying to say like so for example my boyfriend he did tony robbins a while back and i'm not shitting on tony robbins at all <laughs> but there's like this exercise that he did with them where it's like okay this is the belief that you have that you don't want and then you write it down and then you write down your new belief 
and it's like okay now you have a new belief and that's it <laughs> but there's so much like work that has to be done to rewrite that and there's emotions involved that have to be moved and everything so it really is such a process to rewrite those beliefs and i feel like i agree like the first step is having the awareness that i can change this and it is a choice yeah that, that's really interesting you said that because i feel like doing that exercise is definitely a good exercise to do based on what belief would you like to have you know getting the conscious awareness of like what, what you would like but if you don't go any farther than that and you think that's just it it's like no 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 there's like a lot <laughs> there's a lot that goes into that and I think the most beneficial thing that's worked for me is the feelings of what would I feel if I had this certain thing or did this certain thing or you know just in general, how would I feel um, if I met this goal? And so when I bring that feeling up, that's when I start to realize like in my everyday life, I'm already here. And in that reality, it's just like it already exists, you know, and it comes so much faster. Um, one of the exercises I did over in Japan, um, me and my husband had a little meetup and we did this exercise and it was um, basically, they wrote on the top, like, what they wanted to manifest. And then they would write their thoughts, feelings, and actions that they would be doing if they had that thing. And they noticed how all three of those things were so different to what they're doing now. So then I said, okay, think, feel, and act that way right now, you know? And so once you start doing that and you get in the repetitive pattern of that, it starts to become your reality a lot more rather than just, you know, writing it down. Writing it down is the first step, but actually taking action on that is much more powerful. Oh my God. That is so, I think that's a beautiful exercise and so important too, because like you said, the action step is really big. And I think it's something that I neglected for a long time because I fell into that, you know, the law of attraction and, and which is so real, but it's also like a lot of the the narratives around the law of attraction and things like that is, oh, well, you just got to think happy thoughts. You got to think positive thoughts and you got to be happy and then good things will come to you. But it's like you also have to take the action to create that. So I think that's so powerful being able to say, OK, what is the belief I want to have or what is the life that I want to have? And what would that version of me, what kind of actions would she be taking? And then realizing like, oh, I can do some of this now. Like I can start to work my way to being that version of me by taking those actions. And I definitely agree with like, like you were saying of getting into the feeling, you know, like if you want to feel more freedom, do things that make you feel more free, you know, and then you'll manifest more of that feeling into your life. It's so interesting because it makes a lot of sense too. in you know, the physical aspect of where if you're thinking, feeling, and acting, it's like, okay, it's almost like, why shouldn't it align? You know what I mean? And it's so fascinating to watch what I've created or what I've seen my friends create in their lives just from writing it down or all it starts with is just writing it or knowing exactly what you want. I think that's something a lot of people might struggle with as well as knowing what they want. Because I think 
when I was like first getting into spirituality, I didn't really know what I wanted. I just knew I didn't want to feel the way I was feeling. And so I thought, oh, maybe this car would bring me this. Oh, maybe this apartment would bring me that. And all these physical things I thought would fix how I was feeling. But it was really the inside. And to go back to the shadow work, that's what I had to get through in order to be able to feel those feelings. Otherwise, it's almost like they're just empty feelings or temporary feelings rather than like sustainable long term where you can feel that way every day. Because otherwise I would feel like, oh, I have to be happy. I have to be happy. And then every single day it would be more difficult for me to be happy. And until I did the shadow work is when it really started to transform my life, honestly. That's so big. And I I see this all the time. And I talk I talk to people like my friends about this a lot because I always thought it was interesting how you see like I was compared to celebrities or people who like they get rich they get successful they manifest all of these things that they want in their life that they thought was going to make them happy and they get to that place and they're like wow I still feel like shit and it's like I thought that all of these things were gonna bring me happiness and Mm -hmm. I think that we don't realize sometimes how it's it's, it sounds so cliche, but it happiness really does come from within. And I think for me, I seek to experience more of a sense of like peace and joy than to think I just need to be happy all the time because happiness is just an emotion and emotions are always fleeting. Even that peace and joy is all, you know, it comes and goes, but learning how to ride those waves and learning how to deal with those those traumas and those things that make us feel the way we do, make us feel bad about ourselves or make us, you know, depressed and all of that. It's, it's so important. I feel like a lot of people who experience that success, they find that when they get to that high level, all of those traumas and things are just magnified and it can be hard. Like that's why we see a lot of you know, celebrities and actors and comedians like die of overdoses and things because they think this was supposed to make me happy. I got my dream life and I still feel like shit. So yeah, doing that shadow work is important. I'm glad you brought that up because um, going off of the music aspect, um, Russ, I saw you post on your story. I am obsessed with his new album. Like I found- It's so good. It's so good. It's so good. I found him through the song Manifest, actually. And I I was just looking for songs to put on my playlist. I didn't even know who he was at the time. I would, Here I'm thinking he's like an underground rapper, like not really, you know, anyone big. But then I looked him up like probably like a year later. And I'm like, whoa, I know this song. I know this song that I've heard before. I just didn't know it was him. And then he comes out with this album and I'm just like shook because the whole entire thing is just shadow work. Like if, if there's like shadow work in an album, it's that. And I'm like, wow, I've never seen an artist do that before. It's insane. I hope he gets like album of the year or something because mm-hmm. it's what. <laughs> oh my God. And for anyone who listening, who doesn't know what we're talking about, Russ, the artist, he came out with this album called Santiago, and it's based on the book, The Alchemist, which is an amazing book for anyone to read. It's a quick, like easy read to 
and it's so profound. And the essence of the story of the alchemist is this guy goes on this whole journey and he's he's told like if he goes to the pyramids, I don't remember exactly, but it's basically like he's trying to get to the pyramids because he thinks that when he gets to the pyramids, that's where he's going to find his treasure. And he I mean, sorry to ruin it for you all. So like if you don't want to hear how it ends, then skip past this part. But basically, like he gets there and then he's like something along the lines of like, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. And he realizes that like, it was the journey the whole time. It was who he became throughout the journey. And it was him, like it was him that he was seeking. And that's what the album Santiago is really about is like, yeah, we have all of these like traumas or we're like looking for something in these material things, whether it's a big house or a nice car or like, pretty women all around. That's like what Russ is talking about in the album a lot. And he realized like, oh, I was just looking for myself. And because we lose ourselves, and I feel like a lot of it is that like, we're looking for God, you know, I use the word God and like, interchangeably with like the universe or whatever. Like we're looking for that connection to something greater. And we'll never find that in material things. It's, it's in us. Yeah, and definitely the reason why we even think material things will make us happy is because we technically are material, like our human body is the physical. So it's like, of course, these material things would make my human body happy. But does it actually make your spirit happy is the the real question, because it can make you happy for like a, a, a little bit of time. But it's like, is that really what you're seeking is that really what your spirit wants so i mean it's nice to have physical material things because we are in the physical reality but once we you know wherever we go when we die you know wherever it's like we we can't take our stuff with us i can't take my clothes with me like it just doesn't make sense it just all stays here Mm-hmm. It's a, like I said, everything in life, there's is a paradox. There's nuance. Like I am really fascinated with this idea of like finding balance within the duality. Cause it's like, if you go too far on either end of the spectrum, it can be detrimental. Right. I mean, for some people, this is the path, but for me, I don't really desire to live a path where I'm like, I abandon all my belongings and I become a monk in India or whatever and like just completely devote my life to meditation or I mean like I said for some people that's their desires and that's amazing but it's like finding that balance where like yeah I want nice things I want a nice house and a nice car and I want to have like all the things that I want I want a pool in my backyard or whatever it is and also like finding a way to not be too attached to those things and making them such a huge part of your identity because like the ego can very easily just take over and be like I want more like the ego always wants more and so like you said finding that that balance and and being able to fulfill the needs of your spirit also because that's what really brings the most fulfillment and obviously yes like the material things are are great and nice and I'm grateful for them but like you said we can't take them with us Yeah. And I think part of my journey, I definitely felt like once I started like actually realizing I wanted material things, 
um, I, I realized like, I was thinking like, I was like a bad person for wanting these things or like, you know what I mean? I don't know how, how to explain it, but I felt like, oh, I shouldn't want that, but it's not a bad thing to want it. I mean, we're only in this physical human body once, like we might as well make the most of it and experience what we can, you know, whether that's in travel or, you know, whatever people want to do. Um, but it's really about like, what do you at your core want to do with this limited amount of time that we have? Hey friend, if you are interested in plant medicines or if you're on the plant medicine path, or even if you just like to work with plant medicines to enhance your spiritual practice, you are going to love Four Visions Market. Four Visions Market has a wide selection of many different spiritual tools that can help enhance your spiritual practice. They have just about anything you could imagine to fit your personal spiritual needs, such as an amazing collection of hape, which is my personal favorite thing to buy from them. Four Visions is my go-to place to get hape, and my two favorites from them are Divine Mother Rose and the Ojo de Jaguar hape. And even if you're not into hape like me, I promise you they will have something you're gonna love. They have a wide selection of spiritual tools with anything from ceremonial cacao to botanical tinctures such as king nettle tincture, which by the way, nettle is one of the most amazing and nutritious plants that you can put in your body. So everyone needs them a little bottle of king nettle tincture. They also have some amazing healing lotions, Florida water, yoni steaming blends, tea blends, sananga, and they have an entire line of CBD products, including tinctures, body butters, pain salves, and even a little something for your pets. And the beautiful thing about Four Visions is that every single product in their marketplace is created handmade by indigenous people of the Amazon. Amazon. And what I really love about them is that they give 50% of their profits back to those indigenous artisans to support them and their families and the tribes and make sure that they are healthy and beautiful and thriving as well. I am so grateful to be partnered with Four Visions. I really believe in their message and their purpose in this world. I love the way that they support and give back to the indigenous communities in the Amazon. And I think it's probably one of the best companies that you could support because they are really doing a lot to help those indigenous people. And I have a special 10% off code for you. So if you click the link in the show notes and use the code Serena Rose, you can get 10% off your first order. Now let's get back to the episode. So along your journey, at some point, you were led to plant medicine. And I would love to hear more about that and what calls you to plant medicine and I know you've worked with ayahuasca and what other plant medicines have you worked with? So I've actually only worked with ayahuasca and cannabis, um, nothing else. So I know it's when I tell people that they're like, what, you've never done shrooms or like anything else, but I'm like, nope, went straight to ayahuasca. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, it's super interesting because I remember hearing about Aaron Dowdy talk about ayahuasca on like uh, his podcast or something. And I wasn't really like, I didn't really know what it was. Didn't really have a clue what he was talking about. I was just kind of like playing it while I did my makeup and got ready for the day. So I, it was just like kind of nothing. I don't want to say nothing, but like, I didn't think anything of it. I wasn't like, oh, I want to do that. Or like, what is that? I was just kind of like letting it play. And so then 
that was like probably, oh, I want to say two years ago now, was when I first heard of it. And then about a year later, a friend of a friend told me about their experience and they were like, oh, I threw up everywhere. It was awful and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, I definitely don't want to do that. Um, and then I saw that Aaron posted about the retreat um, around that time. And I was like, do I want to do it? Do I not? So then I, I like looked at the first question I was about to like fill out the application and it was like, why do you want to do it? And I was like, actually, I don't know why. Let me just not do this. So then fast forward to about maybe it was like December, January, um, like in the beginning of the year, um, I was watching like a documentary and it's so weird how this happened because my husband doesn't look anything like this up. He didn't even know what ayahuasca was. So for it to pop up on his suggested feed on YouTube was very interesting. And I was like, oh, I want to watch that. So I clicked on it and we were watching it and he was like, you can do it first and then I'll do it if, if, if you like it or something, which is so funny. I'm like, okay, fine. Like I was thinking about, it. I'm like, mm, maybe one day, you know, like it wasn't like, I didn't feel like I was going to do it soon. I thought like maybe in a couple of years, like I really wasn't sure. And then I was on the phone with my friend Tori a couple of days later and somewhere in the phone call, I was like, yeah, I want to, I want to try ayahuasca. And then after the phone call, I was like, why did I say that? It was weird. It was like my soul just spoke and I didn't know why. And so then literally the next day I get an email from Selena retreats from Aaron Dowdy. And it was like, you know, come drink ayahuasca, blah, blah, blah. And so I clicked on it and I was like, oh, this is too weird, too, too coincidental for me to, you know, go through all these synchronicities. So I filled out the application, also didn't have the money at the time. I was like, oh, don't know about this, um, but I feel called to it. So I filled out the application and I remember I literally put, booked the last phone call. I actually remember, I know this sounds wild, but I remember feeling ayahuasca in my room, like before I got on the phone call, cause I was still doubting if I should go or not. And the thing is, is there were so many signs and I was just ignoring them. So finally she was just like there. And I was like, whoa, what is this? Because I had not felt anything, any spiritual presences in my apartment at that time until then. And so I was like really weirded out by it. I'm like, okay, like this is strange go to bed, wake up, the spirit presence is still there. And I realized I'm like, this is ayahuasca. I'm like, okay, fine, I'll go. And then she went away <laughs> and I was like, okay. And so I get on the phone call, spent all the money in my bank account and just went. And yeah, it was a great time. <laughs> and what's funny about it is I was looking up videos for Selena retreats and there was like nothing on YouTube for it. And so I was like typing in all these things like Selena retreats and like ayahuasca and nothing was coming up because I wanted to see like what it was like. And then probably like a couple weeks later, I saw your, this is literally how I found you, like your video popped up on my feed and I was just like, oh, cool. And so I started watching it, not knowing that you had went there and then you said it in the video and I'm like, what? That's where I'm going. <laughs> and so I thought that was really cool. I was like, oh my gosh. And so... Yeah, that's how I found you. <laughs>
That's so funny. And yeah, it's it's the irony of like, that was actually my first podcast episode. And now you're here on the podcast. It's such a small world. <laughs> it's a small world. Yeah. But the medicine, she definitely works in, in funny ways. And she calls us all in different ways. But I definitely really, I mean, I was feeling the call to work with ayahuasca for a good like three years before I actually sat for the first time. And yeah, like I, I feel like when she really wants you, like when she knows like this is this is what you need for your path right now, like she will be relentless. <laughs> She's like, you need to come to this. Yeah, and I think one of the reasons why I was called was because I didn't know this until I had my ayahuasca ceremony. But one of the reasons why I was called is I think I sat in a ceremony in my past life. And I remember, oh my gosh, this was like a wild trip. This was pretty wild. It was my second night. And the first night was just love. Like, I'm just going to put it at that. Like, it was the best night of my life. I was sitting there like, like my intention was to heal my trauma and that's not at all like what happened i literally was sitting there just blissed out happy looking at the stars seeing the galaxy looking at the trees like knowing they have feelings it was it was a wild experience and so i was just so happy i thought that would be the second night and i was ready for that because i was like oh this is what ayahuasca is literally every single experience experience uh, experience was entirely different like nothing similar at all and I was just like oh my gosh so the second night I was with the medicine for probably 15 hours I was messed up it was it was interesting and Dana walked me up the hill um <laughs> and I I had this realization of like I've sat with this medicine before and she kind of like was I, I think her wording was like, you know, this medicine, don't you? And I was just standing there, like staring out into abyss. And I was just like, yep. <laughs> so it was, it was interesting. I'm actually going again in a couple days. And what's funny about it is my husband's coming with me this time. So I tried it first and he's coming. <laughs> That's amazing. And I feel like it's so, man, the medicine, she is so vast and like infinite and multifaceted. I feel like the medicine continuously teaches me humility and to remain humble and to know that I don't know shit because just when I start to think that I got this shit figured out, it's like, okay, I get it. I know what ayahuasca is like. No, 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 you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> like every experience is different. What's so crazy about it is I'm normally the type of person to have like intense anxiety with things and going into ayahuasca, I felt like no anxiety, which is so weird for me. But this time I feel a little more nervous um, than I did before. And I think, I think that's because I know I'm about to go through some shit. <laughs> and that's the funny thing. Cause like you literally never know. I've had times where I wasn't nervous at all and I was excited and I got my ass kicked and then I've had other times where I was like really nervous and like shaking but it was amazing and beautiful I feel like that just the process of even like going into the medicine it teaches you a lot 
about letting go and surrendering to your expectations, which can be hard sometimes. And I feel like um, there's a lot of stories on YouTube of like bad trips or um, stuff of that nature that can kind of scare you too. And what I what I kind of realize is just everything is about perspective and, and whether somebody's bad trip could be a nightmare, like never want to go through it again, you know, that's just where they're at. And for me, I look at my second ayahuasca experience because there were some good moments. There were some really overwhelming moments and there was some like moments where I was working through deep trauma that I didn't even realize I had. And I could say that that was absolute hell, but I don't because I know that that's exactly what I needed. I know it sounds cliche, but like it literally was perfect just the way it was. And even coming out of it, even though I felt like shit, I was like, damn, I'm glad that happened. I'm glad I went through that. And it was just so interesting. Like, I don't know, like I went through a lot of stuff, like dealing with trauma with my mom. I went to like outer space. That was really overwhelming for me, really cool. But I was just really overwhelmed, like had way too much information. I felt like I was just like getting downloads of information that I can't even recall to this day. Um, it's so strange. Um, it's hard to explain it. It really is because it's like you can't make sense of it. I don't know. <laughs> mm -hmm. There's a lot of it that is just so cosmic and so big. It's like it, it, it's a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. And I think that sometimes when it's those types of things where we like feel like we're having all these downloads and we're like damn i wish i could remember that it's like it's just encoding it within our being you know within our body and our spirit and it's like even if we don't consciously remember like we've still absorbed the information and the energy but yeah it the medicine is yeah i find that so interesting the concept of like a bad trip Right. And I think a lot of people are afraid to work with psychedelics because they hear these stories of like, oh, my God, this guy had a bad trip. Like, I remember my partner, Roy, before we were going to go drink ayahuasca, I think it was the first time he had some guy tell him, like, well, I know I heard about a guy who died in ayahuasca. And it's like, whoa, first of all, why would you tell me that? <laughs> you know, but also like people just have uh a negative perception because of stories that they've heard right and it, it's so true that the medicine really does always give you exactly what you need even if it doesn't make sense in the moment or you don't understand and that really like i've experienced that this year because i sat with the medicine in may and that was the hardest ayahuasca experience i've had thus far the second night and it was just it was very confusing and like i feel like i was processing so many things at once and it was just like i didn't really understand what was going on and at one point the medicine spoke to me because i i experience a lot of like clear audience we all have different ways that spirit communicates with us and clear audience is a big one for me so the medicine said this is not anything that i'm doing to you it's in you like and you need basically like you need to become aware of it and i was just like what so it's just funny like how 
people get this perception of like, oh, you're going to like go into this medicine and you're going to go to hell or like whatever. But it's like, if you're experiencing something, it's because it's in you. Like it's a part of you that is being illuminated. And sometimes that can be really hard to look at that shit, to look at like the ways that we're playing out our trauma or like the things that have happened to us. And it's just funny too, because that was the hardest experience that I've had thus far. And then I just sat again in September and um, I was like really nervous going into it. But my friend Dana, who you mentioned, who um, we both know, she said sometimes like that it's necessary though. Cause I was like, I was hesitant. I wasn't sure if I was actually gonna go in September because of my intense experience. And she was like, sometimes though, like you need that to close the loop. And I definitely experienced that. Like my September experience was like one of my most profound experiences. And there was definitely challenges, but it was so beautiful. So the medicine works in mysterious ways. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, I've personally like never like thrown up or anything yet. Um, I was so ready to and it just didn't happen. Um, But I ended up doing a lot of yawning and a lot of crying as well. So what's interesting is when I got home from ayahuasca before, I had to move in a week from Florida and I had to get all my stuff in a storage unit and go up to New York to visit family with my cats. (laughs) And if I could give any advice, because I'm not one to be giving advice about ayahuasca at all, but if I could give any, it would be to give yourself time to integrate and I heard people say this and I, I totally ignored it. Um, but it's important because I kid you not, I was sitting on my couch, just listening to medicine music, still feeling ayahuasca. Um, it, it was like, and then me and my husband went through a whole bunch of stuff. Like we got into arguments cause I was in a totally different headspace. It was very, um, interesting and it definitely was not a good time I mean it it was the time it needed to be I guess but had I known otherwise I probably would have done a different time because of the fact that I was moving so quickly and I had nothing packed and what's interesting is this time I'm going and then I'm literally moving back to Florida after I was like opening a chapter like with ayahuasca the first time and I feel like I'm kind of closing the same chapter of my life doing ayahuasca again yeah I mean man move having to move right after ayahuasca is definitely I could see how that would be like really challenging integration is such an it, it it really is um it can be really hard and I heard it said really beautifully I don't even remember who said it because I follow a lot of people, but how like indigenous people, you know, like the the indigenous people of the Amazon who work with ayahuasca, who have worked with ayahuasca since they were children, it's very different for them because the their lifestyle is different. And we, especially like in Western society in the United States and all these things, the the way that we live is very disconnected from our true nature disconnected from nature itself and 
a lot of people are like working at a job they don't like or you know different things like that and it can be really challenging to go from an experience where you feel so connected to everyone around you and you feel so connected to the earth and you feel so connected to yourself and then you go home back to your day-to-day life and you're like whoa this is so different it's very jarring so like i mean from what i've heard in the in the earlier days like before ayahuasca became very popular for western people like integration wasn't really even a conversation because like I said, the indigenous people, they have no concept of that because the medicine is integrated with their life already. So it can definitely be a challenge. And I definitely urge anyone who is sitting with any kind of plant medicine to, yeah, like to be kind with yourself and gentle with yourself before and after, because it's deep and it's intense. And ayahuasca is not an easy medicine like there's so many moments where it can be so fun and beautiful and magical and it's also like really challenging so you're a warrior you know for for being willing to take on that challenge yeah and thank you for sharing that with me that's honestly super interesting i know that they integrate it in their life already and it's almost like a lifestyle for them like that's what it is and i feel like if there is any way that is the way of like being integrated with plants and nature and we are so stripped from that in today's society that it's it's so crazy to me thinking that you know some people think that like you shouldn't do psychedelics or you shouldn't do plant medicine when they literally grow from the earth like that's what we're given that's that's what this earth provides and to me, it's almost like, why wouldn't I want to experience that? Um, I remembered what I was going to say earlier, because um, you were talking about, you know, bad trips and stuff. And I was talking to someone about maybe two weeks ago, and he was just curious about the diet I have to be on and stuff. And I told him and I told him why and all this stuff. And he was like, yeah, I don't think I'd ever want to do that and I I asked him why and you know it's not for everybody of course like I never want to like say oh you should do this but I asked him why and he's just like I just have so much shit in my brain that I I couldn't deal with it and I'm just like I love the self-awareness because most people blame the plant most people blame ayahuasca for giving them a bad trip when in reality it's not just ayahuasca. And what I've learned in my experience is it's not that she's doing something to me. And it's, it's not like I'm fully surrendering either. I feel like it's like a collaborative experience. Like we worked together and that's just what I experienced. I felt like I saw these videos that were like, you have to let go. You have to do this. You have to do that. You have to surrender. And in my experience, if like ayahuasca would like hint at something or like, Hey, do you want to go here? Do you want to you know, do you want to look at this? And if I said no, she like fully respected that. Now there were some things that, you know, she pushed a little bit more than others, but if it was something that was really touchy for me, that was like, "Eh, I don't really want to look at that right now. She didn't make me look at it. And that's just my personal experience. I know not everybody has that experience, but that's just how it happened for me. So I think take everything 
you hear with a grain of salt, like for those watching, like when you're listening to these plant medicine stories, because every single experience is going to be uniquely made for you. Mm. Um, because I've never heard anybody's experience like alike at all. It's just all different. It really is. that, And I, I just love what you said, how people, most people blame the plant, right? Or the fungi or whatever medicine that they choose to work with. And I feel like that has a lot to do with just like the, the essence of victimhood, you know, which is like something that I've had to work through and I'm still working through the, the energy of victimhood where I had a bad time and it's your fault. <laughs> You know, instead of yep. like, I feel like there's so much power in taking responsibility and saying, oh, this is my shit. Like, you're just showing me the shit that I don't want to see. It's such a, it's a relationship that you're building with this plant spirit. And there's some people who will drink ayahuasca one time and they're good forever. They never need to drink ayahuasca again, but ayahuasca will always be with them because you've consumed the medicine. So her spirit is now with you. I feel her all the time. I feel her right now. Like she's definitely in the space. <laughs> it's so funny. Uh, it's like, yeah, like she's already within you. And what's so funny about that is I heard so many stories where people drink one time and just never did it again. And then after I was done with it, I was like, I could do this every day. Like, I know that sounds absolutely insane, but I legit think I could if I, if I was living in the most naturally way possible. Um, I'm not, so I definitely can't do that. But I'm like, I don't know. Like, I just, I, I kind of feel like I'm going to be sitting with her multiple times throughout my life. Yeah, that's amazing. And everyone's path is different, right? You, you know, like, I definitely feel called to just continuously deepen my study and and to learn from this this amazing plant teacher and I can feel the ways that my life has changed and is changing but it is such like a slower process than I thought it would be like I was very naive the first time and thought I'm going to go drink ayahuasca and my life is going to be fixed and it's really not like that but I can see over time now I've drank like 10 times, um, but I can see how there's this slow progression happening. And the yeah. more that I integrate my experiences and learn to apply the lessons in my day-to-day -day life, like I can see how my energy is shifting and my life is shifting. And I'm just so grateful. Like she's such a beautiful medicine. Oh, she totally is. And like you said, everyone's journey is so, so different. You know, some people may not ever even want to uh, sit with ayahuasca, but they may enjoy listening to stuff and hearing insights of other people's plant medicine journeys, or they might, you know, whatever their soul is called to is what they'll do. And that's totally okay, especially on social media. I feel like I am the type of person where I am so easily influenced. And I think that's because of how like the marketing on Instagram and like this perfect life and all this stuff is just like, you know, it's so in your face. And I catch myself sometimes where I'm just like, okay, I need, I need an Instagram break or I need a YouTube break. Um, because sometimes you get lost in just the social media aspect 
And it's like, even when I was watching a bunch of ayahuasca videos, I noticed that like, I started to like, think about other people's experience other than my own. And I'm like, okay, everything in, in moderation here, you know? So I, I honestly don't even really listen to ayahuasca videos anymore. Um, just for that reason, because I don't like how easily influenced I am. <laughs> um, so that's something I definitely try to work on is like, you know, not being so easily influenced by everything. Like I see something on the internet and I'll go buy that thing. And it's just like, do I, do I really need to do that? You know? Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. And I, and I just like, I want to make it very clear. I know that I, I feel like I try to make this very clear a lot. Like I never want anyone listening to think that I'm saying, or you're saying, or anyone is saying like, this is the way, like, this is what you need. I, my biggest thing is I think everybody should just empower themselves and get in tune with themselves to see like, what do I need? What do I want? What of what am I feeling called to? Like, if you're someone who listens to my podcast, you're probably into plant medicine. <laughs> but if you're not like, that's okay. And it's cool, like you said, to listen to the stories and things and fascinating, but maybe you never want to have a psychedelic experience in your life and you don't need one to improve your life at all. It's it's a path, but it's not the path. There's also so many ways you can awaken spiritually too. Um, it's not just one way or like I feel like the surface level stuff of like crystals and meditating and all this stuff, you might not like meditating. You might not enjoy those things. And that doesn't mean that you're any less spiritual or awake than anybody else. Um, it's just all based on you and, you know, what, what you feel called to, like you said, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think, yeah, just like, I was definitely victim to this earlier on in my journey, but like to not look to someone else to give you the answers to be your guru to tell you like what you need to do i feel like it's so disempowering to be in that place of like i need someone else to tell me why my life is this way or to tell me what i need to do to heal like you have all the answers within you so before we wrap up i would like to hear more about your journey with cannabis because you said you relate to some of the things I've said in my journey with her. So I would love to switch gears a little bit and hear about your journey with Mama Ganja. Yeah, so gosh, first plant medicine that I worked with, I've only worked with two, but um, yeah, so when I was younger, uh, I'd say around 12, 13, I started to start having depression, anxiety, and recognize that those were prominent feelings in my life um and somehow some way I was led to ganja and um at the time was abusing it heavily um and by abusing I not only mean excessively but also in the most awful way possible I would because I had to hide it from my parents I would literally like I don't want to give I'm sure there's no kids watching, so I really hope not, but um, I would literally like crush up a soda can and put the weed on top of it and smoke out of a can that had paint on it. Oh my God, like, old school. <laughs> That's what my parents did. Yeah, I was, 
like now I look back at that I'm like oh my god I probably put so many toxins inside of my body um and just like weird stuff like aluminum foil at least this was a more practical way I even went to school and was making bowls out of ceramics and would literally come home and smoke out of them um I don't know how I got away with that. My art teacher was kind of a hippie. So I think he knew and just didn't care or something. Cause he'd literally hold it and grade it. And he was like, Oh yeah, a plus. And I'm like, Oh, thanks. <laughs> um, so yeah, I made a lot of those. I still have a lot of those. Um, but yeah. And then towards, I would say, so I was smoking on and off and smoking has always been the way I consumed it. Um, I know edibles are probably the way to go, but my body typically does not do well with edibles. I've had some intense edible experiences, but yeah, and then kind of into like when I was like 20, 21 is when I really started to know that it was like giving me anxiety. And my roommate at the time who I had lived with, we actually became friends by smoking. And so he had stopped smoking and he was like an outside source telling me you really should stop. And I was like, okay, this person I met through smoking weed is now telling me to stop smoking weed. And so I was taking offense and I was like, no, you have no idea what you're talking about. Like I'm fine. And it was just this never ending cycle of like me, like, I guess from his perspective, I would get extremely awkward and anxious, like on weed. And I didn't know why. And I think it, looking back at it now, I think it was a lot of emotion that was not processed. And I think Ganja was literally trying to lift that up, but I wasn't allowing her to. And so I ended up kind of, you know, going on and off, ended up throwing up for my first time on my 21st birthday from weed, barely drank, drank like less than probably like a couple sips of Mike's heart. Like, I literally threw up from weed on my 21st birthday and it was awful. I had such bad anxiety, didn't know why I was getting so anxious. And then fast forward to like early twenties, um, I started cutting down on it and that's when my spiritual awakening happened. And yeah, so I still dabble from time to time, but after my ayahuasca journey, I definitely learned that it's very powerful to have an intention behind it when you're doing literally anything in life, but especially plant medicine. Um, and I never had intentions before. My only intention was to feel something other than what I was currently feeling. So Yeah, and that's funny. In my experience, I've had a lot of times where I've gone to ganja looking to change my state because it's like, uh, yeah, I want to feel something else. And sometimes, not every time, but sometimes she will amplify whatever it is that I was trying to escape from. And I'm like, damn, this is not what I wanted, but okay. There's a lot of issues in our culture with the way that we perceive cannabis and uh, the way that we honor her. And I think that people kind of treat cannabis like like a party drug or like alcohol. I mean, some people do, right? Some people do use it medicinally for their back pain or whatever. Um, and she can be such a powerful plant for those things and so supportive. But I think that the world doesn't recognize how much 
cannabis is a psychedelic. <laughs> like she might be a lot more of a mild psychedelic than like mushrooms or ayahuasca. And obviously that depends on the dosage. Cause I've, like you said, you've had crazy edible experiences. Like if you've had a high dose of edibles, you know, that cannabis is a psychedelic medicine. <laughs> and so yep. it's, it brings up this question of why don't we treat it like that? Why don't we treat cannabis like a psychedelic medicine? Why don't we, why don't we give it the same respect as we give ayahuasca? And, um, it's, it's been hard. Like it, I mean, I've had, uh, a really, I've had a difficult journey with ganja too. Like when I started working with her in like late high school, it was to escape and it was socially a lot. And, before you knew it, I was like smoking by myself every day. <laughs> I've noticed that the younger that you were the first time when you started smoking or working with cannabis, the more likely I feel, this is just my observation, I feel that the more likely you are to abuse it. Yeah. And I think going off of that, maybe the reason being why is just lack of knowledge. Um, I really was not taught anything other than it was bad um but i had some friends doing it and i was like honestly i'd rather feel anything than what i'm feeling now i also got into some other drugs along the way but cannabis was actually something that saved me in a lot of aspects in my life um there was a time where i hated that i smoked weed but now i've come to a place that I recognize where it served me in the best possible way, even though I was just high all the time. Um, but it was really because at those young ages of my life, I really was not able to process a lot of the emotions that I was dealing with. And I wasn't necessarily in a safe space to do that either. So I think it was more of like a pause in a sense of what I was feeling. And then once I became a little bit older and started to recognize these things, I started to work through them um, without the need of cannabis. I feel like cannabis definitely um, numbed a lot of the pain I was feeling for sure. And like sometimes, like you said, uh, when you were younger, you did not have the tools or the awareness to be able to work through those difficult emotions. And so I definitely relate to that. I feel like in my earlier younger days like i kind of needed that i needed something to like literally honestly prevent me from killing myself because i was so depressed and i did not know how to deal with my reality as it was so i definitely think that the cannabis can be like sometimes that escapism is necessary but it's just you know learning especially as you get older how to actually deal with the emotions because I also like I just wanted to bring up it's interesting that you were saying how later you went into your journey like the the longer time went on with your journey with cannabis how you started getting a lot of anxiety uh, and maybe it was always like that I'm not sure but I noticed for myself that if I get into a rhythm where I start like abusing cannabis or I'm overusing or I'm using it to escape I feel shitty when I smoke I don't feel good like I have those experiences where I feel super anxious or like whatever but then if I have times where like I'll take like a break for a month or whatever 
and then I go back to it, I have like the most beautiful experience. But then if I continue and I just like let have the snowball effect happens and then I'm smoking every day, then I start to have more like dark experiences where I'm like, oh, fuck, I feel anxious or like, ah, you know, so it's just it, it, it's interesting. And I think that cannabis is such a beautiful medicine and she helps so many people like she like just the the plant itself can be used for so many different things. So I 100% feel that cannabis should be legal. And I also think oh. that it should be respected in the same way that we give respect to other plants. I mean, maybe not everyone does, but you know, like I think that we shouldn't be blind to the pitfalls or the 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 damage that can be done when you're overusing it. Yeah, I definitely now kind of treat cannabis as like I'm going into ceremony because I'm not gonna lie, like she does have some after effects for the next day or so. Um, I can't just pick up my stuff and go back to work the next day. I'm not gonna lie. It it it's not necessarily the best feeling for me when I wake up in the morning after a night of using cannabis. Um, I feel that groggy feeling and just super tired and I just want to sleep all day. So I feel like that is like integration in itself and like something that, yeah, we definitely should be respecting cannabis as we would with any other psychedelic medicine. Um, what's so funny and like I, I look back on it now and it's it's funny to me. But when my parents actually found my weed and everything, um, all the like the bowls that I made in high school, they they took everything away from me. And I came home from school that day. Well, I actually let me backtrack. I accidentally let, lit my bed on fire because I ran out of lighter fluid and I had matches, but I didn't have the thing to swipe it on. So again, going back to lack of knowledge, I, I definitely was not the smartest up here. Um, my little, I think I was like 16 at the time, 16 year old self took a match, put it in a hair straightener. And it literally like, I don't want to say it blew up, but it like sparked and like there was like flame and I literally like put it out. And so I didn't smoke that morning. I normally would smoke every day before school. Um, so I didn't smoke that morning. And all day, I was just really hoping, to, like excited to go home and smoke. And that's all I wanted to do because I missed it that morning. Get home, it's not there. Apparently, my mom smelled the burning in my room and she found everything because my cat was under the blanket and everything was under the blanket. And normally I would hide it, but that day I was running late, so I didn't hide it. Took it away and then threatened to send me to rehab for marijuana. Yeah, she's a lot better with it now. She's more educated now. But at the time, she was like going to school for nursing and she's like, this is going to kill you. And um, my grandma would always tell her that if she did any sort of drug or, you know, marijuana, that she would die. So that's where she was coming from. So I get it. But at the time, I was just like, what is going on? Um, but yeah, was without weed for a total of three days. And um, I I couldn't go that long, so not to get dark here, but I ended up trying to end my life and ended up in a mental hospital after that. Um, but yeah, and I think after that for a little while, I kind of stopped smoking as well. 
um because I literally just didn't have access to it but it was it it's it's a really interesting I got I got to know the medical system a little more than I would have liked to and um it's that's why I'm so passionate about plant medicine as well because I know where I was at in my teenage years in and out of mental hospitals and they just try to shove medicine down your throat and not the good kind, you know, just like the pharmaceutical stuff. So. Wow. Well, I'm glad that you're still here because that's, that's intense, you know, like, and I definitely, I mean, I think that cannabis uh, as opposed to certain pharmaceuticals, like is a way better option, you know, like a lot of like antidepressants and things kind of just numb you out And I'm like, if you're going to numb yourself out, like cannabis is probably the best thing they could be doing, you know? Um, And that's just my personal opinion. Like if anybody feels the need to take antidepressants or whatever, like that's your journey and that's beautiful. But I definitely agree that there's, there's better ways. And maybe for you, that's plant medicine. For me, it definitely is. And maybe for some people it's therapy or breath work or meditation, or maybe it's a combination of all of those things. And I think that, yeah, we just, we, I think when it comes to cannabis as a society, like shifting our perspective on what this really is, like, it's not just, I don't know, like, I feel like we treat it like alcohol or like, just like something you do for fun. And I don't think there's anything wrong with doing it for fun, but, you know, just having that respect and that honor and knowing that this is a powerful plant um and so to treat it as such you know is really important yeah and i definitely recommend mixing it with alcohol either i've had a couple of those instances that did not end very well um (laughs) but yeah and i think if anyone like i know i said i smoked it a lot and that's the way i personally consumed it Clearly, there's better ways. Um, That's just how I started using it and how I continued to use it as well. But there are definitely uh, more healthier options and ways to consume cannabis as well. So I just want to throw that out there. Um, Don't let my decision influence anybody. (laughs) Right. Like, we're just here to share our perspectives and our stories. And I, I feel you. Like, I started out smoking. And, like, it's so funny for me because... I have a completely different relationship with smoking flour than I do with edibles. Like if I have, I can have edibles in my house and it's like, it's whatever. Like, I don't really care. Like, but if I have flour, I'm like, I gotta smoke this. <laughs> like, it's so interesting. Like for something for me about the the smoking, I, I quite enjoy it a little too much sometimes. I think it's also like, I don't know if you experienced this, but it's definitely like a different type of high for me, to be honest. Um, I will say, like, I don't know. I've just never had, like, not that I haven't had good experiences on edibles, but they just stay in my system a little bit longer than I would like. I literally had one time where I fell asleep and was high the next day and had to literally go to work the next morning in a snowstorm. And I don't remember that day. Should not have drove. It was really bad on my part, but if I didn't go to work, I probably would have gotten fired because they really don't, um, they didn't like 
have sick days or anything. They were very strict. So ever since then, I kind of stopped the edibles. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for so from what I've heard, I haven't done a lot of reading about it, but I heard that edibles, like when you ingest the cannabis, it it activates a, another enzyme, a different type of enzyme or something like that in your body. <laughs> so it it's like, it's basically a different medicine kind of, you know, when you ingest it as opposed to smoking. But yeah, I definitely think that edibles are healthier, you know, especially like if you're smoking a lot, like every day, like I've definitely gone through those phases. Like I literally gave myself bronchitis. <laughs> from smoking before yep. and it was I, I was fucked up and I still kept smoking like I, I literally like I couldn't breathe and my throat is so sore and like I literally just kept smoking because I was so like addicted <laughs> oh yeah I've I've had those times and I look back on it now but I literally like went through 10 blunts with my friends and I look back at it and I like literally fell asleep on their couch and I'm just like, oh my gosh, like how numb did I really have to be? Come on now. It's a little extra. Um, but I think I sometimes I was just at a point where like it didn't even matter how much I was doing um, because I was doing it every single day. So yeah, I would say like if, if you're using cannabis a lot, try try to mix it up a little bit because the the smoking can give you some health problems. <laughs> yeah, give your lungs a break. And I do like, we're about to wrap up, but I just want to say for everyone out there, I just want to remind you that like, if you're working with cannabis, especially excessively, this is a psychedelic plant and you are opening yourself up to all kinds of energies. So like when you're working with any type of psychedelic or something that opens you to the spiritual world it's possible for dark energies to try to come in contact with you because especially if you're not intentional with it and you haven't set up a space and you're you know call i think it's important to have this awareness so that we can like call upon our spirit guides and and just to know that you know cannabis is a powerful plant and there are people who have had psychotic breaks from working with cannabis, especially like high doses of edibles and things. So just to just to honor that and to remember, like to be careful when working with this plant because it's powerful. Yes. And also um, try not to get it off the street or get it from somebody who who you can rely on because um, you just want to make sure you know what you're getting is all I'm trying to say. Um, it is best to get it from a reliable source. Mm -hmm. I definitely agree. Well, thank you so much, Kayla, for coming on today. I really had, I really enjoyed this conversation and I had such a great time talking to you. Me too. Thank you for having me. I, I was so excited to talk about all this stuff. I, like, I don't have many people to talk about it with, so I was like so excited, but thank you so much. I appreciate it. Oh my God. Thank you. This has been great. And just let everyone know where they can find you and what you're doing out here in the world. You can find me on Instagram, Kayla.anoku. And I also have a YouTube channel. Um, I do have an ayahuasca playlist if you want to hear about my experiences. It doesn't say everything, but it says the most that I was willing to share. <laughs> um, and uh, 
yeah, I have like a manifestation playlist as well if you want to check that out too. That's awesome. And we'll link it all in the show notes as well. Thank you to all of you who have tuned into this episode. We really hope you enjoyed and hope you have a great rest of your day too. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to like, subscribe, leave a comment letting me know how you liked this episode. And if you have topic suggestions for future episodes, feel free to leave them in the comments there. If you're listening on a podcasting platform, it would really help me out if you could leave me a nice review letting me know how you like the podcast so far. Thank you so much and stay blessed.